0: If you brought your Bible with you, we will be in the book of Luke this morning, Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. Uh, We're going to be in Luke 1 and 2 for the next several weeks uh, as we enter into a series, a Christmas series we're calling Christmas Songs. It's not Christmas songs in the uh, sense that you might most automatically think, uh, but rather different Christmas songs recorded by characters within the Christmas story itself. Uh, and we're not talking about uh, we're talking about Simeon this morning, for instance. We're not talking about an individual who would, uh, as if he were in a musical, suddenly stop breaking into song. Uh, but rather, there is in the midst of the telling of the story, uh, this poetic word, uh, reflective word of of God's beauty and what He is doing. Uh, And we have several of those songs throughout the Christmas story. And so we're going to focus on those the next several weeks. Uh, And again, we're in Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35 this morning. If you didn't bring a scripture with you, uh, a Bible with you, that scripture will be on the screen behind me when we get to that point. If you are joining us online, you should be able to watch on whatever device you are joining. So I don't know about you, but uh, since we're talking about music, I get to the point every now and then, you know, I have a playlist that I listen to in the car most of the time. Not a huge fan of listening to the radio of any variety, uh, and so if I'm around driving, uh, I'm usually listening to something on my Apple iTunes playlist. I'm always downloading new worship music, downloading new all kinds of music uh, to keep things fresh because I hate listening to the same thing over and over and over again. Hence, why well, I don't listen to the radio, um, but uh, I have those playlists that are going, and every now and then, you know, I'll just, where I feel like, ah, uh, you know, all this stuff in my library, I've heard it recently. It's good, but I don't want to listen to it again, and I'll get this feeling of nostalgia. Well, I, wanna, I, I want to go back to listen to something from years and years and years ago. Does anybody else get that feeling occasionally uh, where you just want to go and listen to some old music? Uh, now, old mu- music is relative to well, how old you are. Uh, So it's different for everyone in the crowd. Um, But old music for me would be like 90s alternative rock would be old music for me uh, that I'll go back to and listen to on occasion. Um, And one of those moments of nostalgia came over me not that long ago. And it it, wasn't 90s alternative rock. Uh, It was 90s country that I was drawn back to. uh, And I was drawn back to Garth Brooks. Any Garth Brooks fans in the house? Woo-hoo. All right. There's a few of you, uh, a few Brad Garth Brooks fans out there. Um, Garth Brooks, one of the, if not the best-selling recording artists of all time. Um, years ago, he released an album, 1998, November 17th, 1998. To be exact, I don't I'm a fan that I remember that. I had to look that up, by the way. But November, 1998, he released a... Two CD album called Double Live, and if you're a Garth fan, you had Double Live. You know, it was his first live recording. Um, it was, uh, uh, there was a lot of a lot of hubbub about it when it first came out. Uh, it is still today the best-selling by far, the best-selling live album of all time, um, and uh, something like 14 million plus. I don't even remember it. Uh, none of that matters anymore because albums don't get bought the same way they used to. But anyway, uh, he is uh, he has the, the best-selling live album of all time. Um, uh, and so I, I wanted to go back and listen to that. Problem is that he, he doesn't, ha- for whatever reason, he doesn't have a deal with Apple. Uh, and so you can't listen to Garth on Apple Music. So I had to get my Amazon Music app, you know, dust it off, uh, power it back up uh, and listen to some Double Live. And I had that moment of nostalgia. And I could remember, this is, this is where it relates to Christmas. I promise there's a point. I could remember um, having that CD or those CDs given to me in Christmas of 1998. I would have been a sophomore in high school at the time, uh, and I can remember waiting for that. It came out in November. It was something I got for Christmas that year, and I remember at that point still having a fairly new stereo that had the you know the carousel with it had the three CDs that you could put in it, and you could listen to three CDs without ever opening the CD player. Whoa, you know, blow your mind! The technology that we had back in the late '90s. Um, and a lot of you, a lot of people younger than me, are looking at me, seeing what in the world is the CD thing uh, you keep talking about? You mean there used to be music? on those things? Yes, there did. And in Garth's case, there was some great music on them. Uh, but I had to go back and listen and was reminded of not only the nostalgia of the music, but the nostalgia of the moment and how for that year, that was like... The perfect Christmas gift. You know, it was the thing that I wanted. It made Christmas perfect, and it's it's different for every year. Uh, I've reflected over before, I think, my love of Nerf guns when I was a child, and uh, that was the big gift uh, for several years. Uh, as you get older, uh, obviously, that changes. Uh, the thing that I'm looking at this year on Amazon is called a sous vide machine. It's a way of cooking, particularly steak, uh, that is supposed to be the best, juiciest, most perfect steak ever. Uh, I'll get back to you, hopefully, uh, if that works out. Wink, wink. Honey, uh, if that works out, uh, I'll get back to you on how well a steak that actually does make. Uh, but that's what I'm hoping for this year. That'll make everything right. And we joke about that, right? Like we as Christians, we know this isn't the case, but we still joke about that perfect gift. You know, getting that perfect gift, or hopefully, you're more excited about re- uh, giving that perfect gift to someone else. And so you're thinking, many of you already now, some of you are really good and have this taken care of. I've had it taken care of for months, um, but you're, you're thinking about the perfect gift to give to that special someone in your life that will communicate all of the love that you have for them, all the good that they've ever done for you, uh, will communicate all the I'm sorry's you need to communicate. You know, you're looking for that one thing that will say everything that you're worth, that thing that's impossible, right? There is no such thing. Though we spend hours online or in stores looking for that one thing that the person who has everything already has that we can give them that will suddenly make their life complete that is the christmas farce that we live in in the american world where we're waiting on that one perfect atom that'll just make everything right you know you know on a deeper level many of us spend seasons of our life waiting for that perfect thing to come along don't we much like you would as a child with the perfect christmas gift waiting on that promotion to come along, waiting on that relationship to come along, Uh, waiting on entering into that new life stage to come along, the perfect house, the perfect job, the perfect car, the perfect career, uh, whatever it might be, waiting on that one thing to come along so that we will have it. We will have that thing that we've been waiting for. You dream about you've been waiting for and you look on the other side of that thing that you've been waiting for and think about how perfect life will be how complete life will be once you get that one thing you've been waiting for once that finally completes your story or your family or your relationship or you as a human being waiting on that one thing I'm going to show you a quick movie clip, a movie clip I'm sure most, if not all of you have seen from the great movie, The Incredibles, and maybe you can identify with Mr. Incredible in this scene. Dave, if you could play that. But what are you waiting for? Me too, kid. All right. Uh, like I said, you've probably seen that scene at some point. Many of you multiple times. Great movie, The Incredibles. Um, one of the best animated movies out there. Can I get an amen on that one? Okay, there's some incredible fans in the house. Um, anyway, you know, that there's it's actually two scenes separated by quite a bit of movie. Uh, but you, you get the feeling of just like angst from Mr. Incredible, right? Going through the motions, through the daily grind. He's doing what... Uh, the government has told him to do because he's a super, but he's told he should keep his superpowers under control, and he's doing what his boss has told him he should do. He's doing what his family has told him he should do. He's doing what society expects of him, and so he's just kind of going through life trying to manage, and he's always on the brink of nearly destroying everything. And you can't imagine, you know, if Tricycle Kid uh, wasn't there, what he would have done with the vehicle. But he gets seen by Tricycle Kid for a moment. You know, he tries to act like everything's cool because they can't be seen. He has to live with a charade that he's not really uh, a superhuman. Uh, and so you skip a few minutes and he's back and you know he's getting out of the car the kid looks at him and he he stares at him and says what are you waiting for and the kid says perfectly i don't know something amazing i guess and then i hope that you heard that part but i hope you heard mr incredible mumble under his breath me too kid and one of the reasons why those kinds of movies kind of humor works uh, is because it's true to life right i wouldn't be funny if people didn't experience that sort of thing. It's what makes comedy comedy, uh, is that it takes something that can be very devastating and difficult about life and makes a joke out of it. And the juxtaposition of something that's so terrible that we turn it into laughable creates that feeling of laughter, right? It it's, it's, is this way, but we're, we're making it absurd and looking at it this way. And so it becomes comical in that moment. But underneath it, often in comedy, is a dark reality. And there's a dark reality there that many people experience what Mr. Incredible was going through, capable of so much more and knowing that he was capable of so much more and having that kind of angsty thought about life. What are you waiting for? Something amazing, I guess. Just a lack of commitment even to that phrase. I don't know, something amazing, I guess. I don't even really know what I'm waiting for. Just something to happen. So maybe you've been in a season of life. Maybe you are in a season of life. Maybe you know someone that's been or is in a season of life like this where it just seems like you're waiting on something to happen. You're waiting on that, 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 that ship to finally come along that, that will fix everything. That item, that, that, again, that relationship, that promotion, whatever it is that will make everything right and everything before it worth it, if you can just get this one thing. The Christmas story comes into that environment and tells us a very different reality. It tells us that what you're waiting for has already come. The thing that you think you've, you've wanted so desperately, this, this, this thing that will make everything right, or this person that will make everything right, is actually already come. And his name is Jesus. But you've been looking everywhere else so much so that you've... So you, if you hear me say one thing this morning, hear this. Jesus is what we've been waiting for. Jesus is what you've been waiting for. Indeed, what the whole world has been waiting for. And we see that in the Christmas story. Before we open up Luke chapter 2, let's pray together. Father, once again, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for your presence here among us, within us. God, we thank you for your word that we're about to read. God, we know that you will speak truth from your word, and God, I pray that All else that is not from you will be dismissed, but God, that your truth through your spirit will be implanted within us in such a way that you can do a work of transformation within us. God, we give you all praise, glory, and honor for every moment, every good thing that happens today and every other day. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35, Jesus and his family, the infant Jesus and his family or in the temple in Jerusalem, probably about six weeks after his birth, going through this uh, season of, or or this uh, ceremony of purification that I'll tell you about here in a moment. Again, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts of many hearts may be revealed." Jesus is what we've been waiting for. Jesus and his family were in the temple in Jerusalem, again, probably six weeks after his birth, for the purification offering. This is according to the law of the Old Testament. Uh, Any woman who would birth a son for the first time was required to go before a priest in the temple uh, to permit permit an offering. You can go at two turtles. Part of where we get that in the Psalms, days of Christmas, Uh, and they're giving that that offering to purify Mary from her ritual uncleanness uh, that she incurred during childbirth. Uh, It was just a part of the ritual uh, that they went through as Jews. Uh, And so they were doing what they did as good Jews. They had already had Jesus circumcised on the eighth day, like they were supposed to earlier in the story. And so they're continuing along with their religious tradition, uh, making sure they raise up Jesus in the correct Jewish path. And so Simeon is encounters them uh, during this story. Now, Simeon is likely a priest who served in the temple, uh, or else Joseph and Mary would have freaked out when he grabbed Jesus. Like, he's not just some stranger that comes out of the darkness, you know, and and reaches for Jesus and starts singing or speaking some words. Uh, He is most likely a priest who was there on a regular basis and, and, and probably served in this capacity with other families many times, if not his entire life. Uh, and so this is his job to be there doing things like this, like dedicating uh, uh, children, like have speaking this blessing family during the uh, purification offering. Simeon is likely an old man. Uh, we just get those hints contextually. Uh, him saying that he was okay to die now gives us the idea uh, that he's an older guy. He's a priest uh, that comes with some uh, with some wisdom and some clout, and so especially serving in that capacity. And so, uh, again, you just get the idea he's an older, wiser guy. Uh, he seems to have a, a strong relationship with God. Um, Luke describes him as uh, devout and righteous. Uh, we see that his relationship with God is such that. Uh, he is able to uh, fill or hear or interpret the Holy Spirit's leading, the Holy Spirit's voice, uh, to call him to uh, know that he's going to see the Messiah before he dies. Uh, and so all of this works together again to where he is waiting on what Luke calls the consolation of Israel. Consolation is a funny word in our English ears when it comes to this story. Because when we think of Const- or when I think of consolation, my first thought is like uh, a second rate prize, right? Uh, a consolation is uh, if you're in a, if you're a basketball fan, uh, if you, if you go to any basketball tournament during the holidays, which I'm sure many of you will, uh, you know you'll have the, the winners bracket, the losers bracket, and, and whoever can a double elimination tournament, whoever can last long enough to win the losers bracket, it goes to the consolation tournament, uh, and receives the consolation award uh, if they lose the first game and then win the rest of them, right? You, you've heard of that. That's what I think of consolation as someone who couldn't win the big prize but is given a little prize as a hey, I hope everything's, you know, okay. That's kind of what I think of uh, when I think of consolation. But that is so far from the reality of Scripture here. Uh, a Consolation is not some mere like, hey, I hope you feel better about yourself prize. No, it is comfort. Uh, it, it, it is for someone going through difficulty who needs to be consoled, and when Jesus comes as our comforter and our consolation, uh, He is coming in in both good times and certainly in bad to be everything that we need Him to be. So He is the consolation of Israel in that way. Just to give you an idea uh, uh, from an Old Testament perspective uh, of what this idea of consolation is, uh, I'm going to read to you from a fairly famous passage in Isaiah uh, that's. Uh, assumed to be by most scholars of messianic prophecy. In Isaiah chapter 40, uh, we have the same word, same idea in Hebrew. In uh, chapter chapter 40, verses 1 and 2, it says this in Isaiah. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Comfort, comfort. My people says your God. And again, this is God speaking in Isaiah 40 to people who had been judged harshly by God, who had been uh, left to ruin uh, at the hands of of foreign enemies by God because of their own sinfulness and their own straying from God and adultery upon God by worshiping other gods before him. Uh, And and still throughout Isaiah and, and all of the prophetic material, really, there is this promise of consolation that will come. There is a comforter that will come and wipe away those tears of the Israelites, that will fix and mend what is broken. Jesus is that consolation. And this is what Simeon has been waiting for. When I read that, I, I wonder how long has he been waiting? We don't have any clue from Luke. Luke doesn't bother to give us that piece of information. And this is really the only place we have this story. So there's no telling exactly how long he waited, but I can't help but wonder. Was he just told earlier that morning? Was it a few weeks ago? Was it this was born, and, and maybe during that miraculous set of events, is when the Holy Spirit chose to clue in Simeon on this story, or was it longer than that? I wonder if this is something Simeon had been waiting for for months, for years, even. Now, we know that the people of God, the Israelites themselves, were waiting on the coming Messiah for centuries, millennia, even we know that this was no short period that they were hoping that the messiah would come and set everything right and so again i wonder how long this man himself had been waiting and i wonder if he was indeed a priest which we again have a pretty good idea that he was i wonder if every time a younger family would start to approach the temple if he would wonder to himself is this them is this is this it is this the one And then finally, one day, Jesus and his parents walk through the door. I guess Jesus wasn't walking. He was six weeks old. But uh, his parents uh, walk him through the door, uh, and and, and something in Simeon's mind, something the Holy Spirit within him somehow indicates that this is the child that he had been given the word about. And so he picks up the child and begins to speak words of blessing, which aren't abnormal. Any priest would have spoken a word of blessing upon a child at this time, but it is the nature of the words that he speaks that indicates who's this child. Really is. Simeon had been waiting and he wasn't waiting in vain. See, a lot of times in our world we wait on something that never comes. That is not the testimony of Scripture. God does not give you a desire for peace and wholeness. God does not give you a desire for salvation and perfection. God does not give you a desire for all that which is good only to leave you wanting at the end of the story. No, he doesn't leave you waiting. There is a time where your waiting comes to an end, child of God. There is a time when Jesus reveals himself to you. You are not meant to wait forever and ever and ever. You are not meant to go unsatisfied forever and ever and ever. If you are looking and longing for the thing that Jesus gives us, there will come a time where your waiting will come to an end. You will find rest. You will find satisfaction. Just like Simeon did. His waiting came to an end. And then he says these words again, that many describe as a song, but just kind of a poetic blessing upon Jesus. I want to read them again, verses 29 through 32. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon basically cries out to God, with sing, "I can die in peace now. I have been given that for which I've been waiting. Again, who knows how long? But he has been given it. This is it. This is all I needed. This is everything I've ever wanted or longed for." He says verbatim, I have seen your salvation, speaking of Jesus. He notes that it's not just his salvation, but it is prepared in the presence of all peoples early on in the gospel story. I mean, this is like chapter one, I know it's chapter two of Luke, but we're talking about the very first set of events that happen in the gospel story. Early on, we're already getting clued in that Jesus is not just for the Jews. He is for everyone. This is when the door is going to be swung open to all the world, to all the Gentiles, when all the prophecy and words in the Old Testament that talked about all of the nations coming to worship God. This is when that starts to be fulfilled. You are a light for revelation of the Gentiles, Simeon says about Jesus and glory for Israel, through which He came. Verses 33 through 35 are kind of the rest of the priestly blessing. Simeon takes his eyes off of Jesus for a moment and turns to uh, to Mary and Joseph speaks particularly to Mary about the nature of of, of how Jesus would live, that many in Israel will rise and fall because of him. There will be great division. There will be great strife. Even her own soul will be pierced like a sword. Uh, There is, you know, bad things are going to happen from a motherly perspective during the life of Jesus. And he's giving her that word and uh, go ahead and putting that in her heart so that perhaps she won't be totally taken off guard when the time comes later in life for that to happen. But the beautiful announcement still remains. Jesus, the salvation of the world has come. Jesus is what we've been waiting for. Jesus is what you've been waiting for. You. Now, it's very easy for me at the beginning of the sermon, like I did earlier, to talk about waiting in the third person. Other people waiting on stuff. And to point to a a literal caricature of a human being in Mr. Incredible I uh, and talked about him, him waiting and the angst he might feel. But let me uh, let me get personal for a moment and talk about that. There have been seasons in my life where I felt like I was just waiting on something else to happen. Maybe you can identify with that. Maybe you can't. My hunch is that most of you can. Where you go through and you do what society expects, right? You. Graduate high school. You go to college. Graduate college. You get a job—a job in the field that you loved, a job in the field that you study for. You're excited about that. It's a career that you've always wanted. Uh, you 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 start a family and marry. You have kids. All of these things are wonderful and amazing. And and, and at least for a moment in each of season of life, you feel like you've 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 made it. And then you begin to hate yourself at some point because there are these feelings that come up where you start to wonder, like. <sighs> This doesn't feel like quite it yet though, right? It doesn't feel like I've, I've accomplished everything that God put me on earth to accomplish. It doesn't feel like I've, I've really made it yet because there's this enemy that's whispering in my voice telling me that, hey, son, if you'd really made it, I'm, I'm going to tell you particular to my own vocation and you can imagine what it is for yours, but this is what I hear whispered relative to my own vocation. If you made it, you would have written a book by now. If you made it, your church would have hundreds, if not thousands in attendance at this point. If you made it, you'd be on TBN or something. I don't know. I don't want that. But if you made it, you know, all of these things fill in the blank, you would be experiencing this euphoria. You know, because you, you've you seen people on social media and people on TBN and other places like that where they're standing on a stage and they're in a perfect suit and they're perfectly fit and they're happy and their smile is perfect and it seems like everything is perfect. And you think, I'm still waiting on that to happen. You know, it is an act of the grace of God that in those moments, the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ the perfection of his word has taken and shaken me and says, you're looking in the wrong places. What you've been longing for has already been given to you. It was given to you before you graduated high school and college and started a family. It was given to you before then. It's always been available to you. I have stuff to you and that is literally all you need. Now, you might look at me and say, well, that's, that's nice, that's a wonderful little story, but that doesn't feel like it's the case. And one of the reasons I think that you might respond in that way is because we have so diluted who God is, who Jesus is, how dependent we ought to be upon him in our current culture that we act like he's just something we add to our lives rather than making him the central element of our lives. God is not some addition to the American dream that makes everything perfect. He's not that one thing that you add to the program to finally finish the story. He is the story, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, and everything in between. He is all of the story. He is what matters. He is what completes you. All that you have ever needed, currently need, and will ever need is found only in the person of Jesus Christ. Simeon says of Jesus to God, I have seen your salvation. Not, I have seen the future of your salvation. Not, I have seen part of your salvation. No, when he sees Jesus, he sees the fullness of God's salvation. I have seen your salvation. And that's why Simeon could die in peace. Jesus is what you've been waiting for. Jesus is what Israel has been waiting for. All of the story of God culminating in this one person. You know, we've been studying Revelation for a long time now, for a long, long time now. And just to to kind of relate back to that, you know, one of the conversations that normally gets had around Revelation and timeline that people try to construct around Revelation is... is, uh, you know, there seems to be this, this hint within scripture, um, not only in Revelation, but in Romans 9 through 11, that there's this be this like great returning of the Jewish people to the Messiah, that they will, that will somehow find their way or God will direct salvation. And, and a lot of times, which is, which is a, a good To have, but a lot of times when we have that conversation, people try to do like a workaround, Uh, like the Jews, just because they're ethnic Jews, they somehow get a pass in the heaven because of some you know technicality or loophole that God finds in Revelation. No, it it is clear throughout Scripture, and it is the same for the Israelites. It is the same for the ethnic Jew today that there is only one way to heaven. Paul tells us that there's only one name by which man must be saved, and that is Jesus Christ alone. Jesus Himself tells us in the Gospels that He is is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. That is true also for the Jews. He is what the Jews have been waiting for. He's the only way for them, too. And He is the ultimate fulfillment of the story of God. All of the story of God points forward to Jesus. Creation points forward to Him. In the garden, just before, removed by God because of their sin, God is pronouncing judgment upon each character. Story, including the serpent the serpent he says in Genesis chapter three will bruise the heel of her offspring, meaning the woman, but her offspring will bruise your head giving testimony, giving prophecy about the coming Messiah who will finally put Satan back in his place. Creation points to him. The patriarchs point to him. The covenant that God made with Abraham in Genesis 12 about how Abraham was to be a blessing to all nations and the number of his descendants would be as numerous as the sand on the shore and the stars in the sky points forward to Jesus flinging the door open to all the nations, to the Gentiles and the Jew. The Exodus points to him, God leading his people to salvation underneath the hand of oppression by sending them a Savior who would lead them out. The law points to Jesus, that our inability, our need for grace, our inability to be perfect, to obey God in every way, shows that we need someone who can do that for us, to do what we could not do, pointing us to Jesus. The kings point to Jesus. David being the foremost among them, who would be a precursor to who Jesus would be despite his frailty. The temple points to him, God's literal presence on earth that would one day culminate in the person of Jesus Christ and now the Holy Spirit present on earth today. And the prophets also very clearly point to him, the comfort and consolation in Isaiah 40 that we read earlier being one of those many examples. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the story of God. Everything points forward to him. Jesus is what you've been waiting for. Jesus is what the Israelites have been waiting for. And Jesus is indeed what the whole world has been waiting for. And many today are still waiting for. Whether they know it or not, Simeon, again, says of Jesus, he is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. John and his preamble that his gospel says that the light into the world and the darkness did not understand it. the darkness could not overcome it. Jesus himself is the light of the world to bring light, the gospel, goodness, God's love, God's perfection, God's sovereignty, God's law into the world and push back darkness once and for all. We've been talking about that in the ultimate sense in the revelation about how God will bring that light in the ultimate sense someday and push darkness back to a corner from which it will never return return. Nothing else will satisfy other than this Jesus. No matter how many times, how many places people look for satisfaction, no matter how many times people are waiting on that one thing and they think that because they got the promotion, that because they got the job, that because they got that thing, that everything will finally fit, everything will finally be complete, nothing else will satisfy Jesus is what you've been waiting for. He's what Israel's been waiting for. He's what the whole world has been waiting for. You know, there are a lot of things I love about Christmas. I love Christmas music. Uh, I love Christmas sweaters. Uh, I love Christmas food. I love hot chocolates. You know, I, I, I love some Christmas movies. Um, there's, there's way too many of them, but I love some of them. Uh, I, I love a, a lot of stuff about Christmas. I love much of the tradition. It gets to do with family. But there's also a lot about modern day Christmas that turns my stomach a little. I I don't want to be a killjoy or one of those cynical folks, but anybody else identify with that? All right. We all see it. We all know it's there. That the day which we have set aside as the day to honor the coming of Christ quite literally the most materialistic day on the calendar. That's a problem, right? So there's a lot of problematic things about Christmas, and I was saying in the first service that if I wanted to, I'm sure I could do like a whole sermon series for the next five weeks over all that's wrong with the American Christmas, but that would be very depressing. I wouldn't want to do that to all of you. I'd be very cynical by the end of that, Uh, but there's plenty of material there. We all know that despite that reality, The Christmas story really is a really, really, really good story. That God in his sovereignty would would take himself and put himself in human form, in his son Jesus, and that this Jesus would come to the earth in a poor family. I didn't point that out earlier because it wasn't in the scripture that we read, but Earlier in this passage, we learned that the, the offering that Marian brought was two turtle doves. That's what poor people brought for offerings because they couldn't afford a, a better gift to the temple. So a poor family, a child, the most helpless being on earth is a human infant. And yet this is how God enters the world to become the king of kings to die a helpless death, or at least it seemed that way from our perspective, but we know that he certainly chose the cross. To do what we could not do, to live a life that we could not live, to pay a price that we could not pray so that we might have an eternity we do not deserve, and an abundant life that we do not deserve, it really is a really, 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 really good story. And you know what that means? Christmas is a great time to tell others the story of Jesus. There are times when people are more or less open to the gospel and I, I kind of think Christmas might be one of those times when are open. When well, it's easier to create conversations. A lot of times if you try to start a faith conversation with someone who's cold, like you know, in, on August 1st, hey, you know about Jesus? They're gonna say, get away from me. You know, I don't you know, you're one of those holy rollers I wanna talk to you. But if you start the conversation around Christmas and Christmas tradition and find a way, God will give you a way. You're smart enough. Find a way to to work it back to a, a conversation about who Jesus is and what Christmas really is about. Christmas gives us an opportunity that few other seasons, really not any other season of the year provides to share this story. So let me bring us to the end today. By asking you just a couple of questions. One is what are you waiting for? If you feel like you've accepted Jesus as Savior, you 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 follow in him, you've you've confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that he is Jesus, he is the Son of God, raised from the dead, you have that relationship with him, but you still feel like you're you're waiting on something? Maybe it's time to Remind yourself, child of God, that in Jesus you have literally everything you've ever needed, you currently need, or you will ever need. And if you think to yourself, no way, then you're, you're taking the world's view of what you need and not the real reality of what you need. It's all found in Jesus Christ. May we rely on him and not all this other stuff we're waiting on. And the same question to those of you who do not have a relationship with Jesus. What are you waiting for? Today is a perfect opportunity to start that relationship. Maybe you've been waiting for this exact moment to decide to follow Jesus as Savior, to experience His transformation and salvation. I'll be down here at the altar to pray with you, standing right here in front of the stage, to pray with you if God is leading you in that direction. I would love to pray with you then or you can hit me up after the service. I'll be hanging around. We can pray together and talk about it then. If you're watching us online, send us a message or talk to a trusted Christian person in your life. And, 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 and if God is moving you to, to, to seek him in salvation, to give in to him coming for you in salvation, talk to us or somebody else. Have that conversation. What have you been waiting for? Maybe it's just this moment. So that's the one question. What are you waiting for? And the second question is this. Who out there is waiting on you to tell them you know exactly what they've been waiting for? Who needs to hear the story of Jesus told through your testimony? Who needs to hear in your life that, hey man, I know you're going through a difficult situation. Let me tell you what the Bible says about that. Let me tell you the hope that Jesus can give you in that. Who is waiting on you to come tell them the story of Jesus. If you need to pray about this or anything else, I'll be down here to pray with you. I'll be around after the service as well. But let's stand together. I'm gonna pray out loud and then after I finish, we're gonna sing one more song together as Ethan is leading us in that song. May you pray separately where you are, together with someone around you. Come and pray with me. Kneel at the altar quietly by yourself. Just allow yourself to hear from God and speak to God. What are you waiting for? And who's waiting on you? Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for the truth of your word. God, we thank you for the encouragement that comes from knowing that we have everything we will ever need in you. And God, we also thank you for the conviction to go and share this story with the world that's waiting on it. God, may you console us and comfort us And God, may you send us and convict us in Jesus' name. Amen.